Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, local celebrity. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, international celebrity. Thank you. Matt McLean. Hello, hello. <laughs> Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, mostly true crime, but we've also been known to cover a pandemic, a haunting, a super mad, super strong chimpanzee. We'll cover anything and everything scary. Please rate us five stars and join us on Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. Here we go. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. I feel like I have not seen you in forever. Ages. It's been ages and ages and ages. I mean, I've been stalking, obviously, your Insta posts and yeah, your photos. They're and not. Zooming in, but uh, yeah. Nothing. See nothing. Per- interesting. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we haven't seen each other in like four weeks. I know. How has your time been? You went to WrestleMania? Oh, went to SummerSlam. Which is WrestleMania-ish? It's WrestleMania summer. Okay. Yeah, basically. Got it. Yeah, it's the biggest uh, biggest party of the summer. Went to Detroit, which has a horrible reputation for, like, crime and stuff. Well. Maybe rightfully so. I was there on a big tourist weekend, so I didn't see any crime, but I loved it there. Uh, I mean, I just kind of saw a little bit of a crime on your phone, but okay. Oh, yes, yeah. that's true. That is true. <laughs> you're, com- you're committing your own crime. That's correct. <laughs> and filming it and then using it to show off to my pod co-host. <laughs> so... We have a bunch of stuff to record today. Okay. I just wanted to mention quickly our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we have one. We do. And it is a lot of fun. And we have a Patreon Facebook page, which is my favorite. It's so much fun, isn't it? I love it. It is Patreon only, but I did get a message from a girl yesterday asking to join, even though she wasn't in the Patreon. Aww. I know. Oh, man. I can't wait to see what you said to reject her. So, Eddie, you. <laughs> um, well, that's cute. I know. So, People I'm like. want to be a part of our little. Uh, our, kind of club? our world, like wow. the Little Mermaid. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we have a new line of clothing. That sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, our label. Yes, yeah, so our girl that does a lot of our incentive giveaways, mm-hmm. she did a new line, and it's so, so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, I think it's like iced coffee and true crime. And it's like a little, she did, she drew the things herself too, eh? Oh, really? Yeah. And so I it's a little iced coffee. Like stock. I hope I'm not Mm-mm. insulting her. No. Well, I guess that's a compliment. Yeah, exactly. Looks, yeah, that looks store-bought. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she did it all herself, hand-drawn. And then it's like a little iPod with our logo on it. Yeah. And uh, she's sending us a couple of complimentary ones. Nice. Yes. And then I plan on um, getting a bunch more so that we can give them out as, uh, you know, prizes. Sweet. And I was talking to her. She might be doing a lineup of the Borat bikini for some of our male listeners, which would be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I'm going to assume it is pervy. Do you have your computer there? Can you just Google Borat? I don't have Wi-Fi. You you refused to give me the Wi-Fi password. That's right. I said, look, lady, you cannot be trusted. <laughs> the amount of cybersecurity, uh, like tests and exams that we have to do here is outrageous. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God, Matt. Yeah, we're getting those. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is. I <laughs> The Borat bikini is, um, uh, yikes. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> okay, so the case I'm going to tell you today, Yeah, it's a bad one. I'm going to give trigger warnings okay. because uh, there's kid stuff. Okay. Parent on kid stuff, like, sorry, Matt. All right. <laughs> it's old, though. You like the older ones, right? Listen, it's called Everything Scary. Yeah, this that's, is that's living up to it. And I think that anybody who, who's into, uh, hey, look at you. You got your hat on the, on the counter this time. That's right. The last time you were so hungover, and I watched you just struggle with that for <laughs> upwards of 10 minutes. <laughs> so this is the case of Diane Downs. Have you ever heard that name before? I don't think so. Okay. Sounds like a shitty golf course. 
Um, it's a shitty human being. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, I mean, people did rounds on her, so whatever. <laughs> um, I've heard this case covered by at least a half a dozen podcasts, but I like to think that, you know, I, I like to add things in that I have never heard before okay. so that, you know, even if you have heard this on a different podcast, I feel like you'll get some more information here because uh, I did my due diligence. Oh, look at you. I, I think that's legal. I don't know. With your dossier. <laughs> I think due diligence just means like you just, you did the work. You did the you damn thing, there, right? You did a deep yeah, dive. Yeah. You got it done. <laughs> Pulled up your bootstraps. So you don't know who she is. No. Um, I'm going to say this, and, you know, normally we don't comment on anyone's looks or anything like that. In Diane Dance's case, it's okay. Okay, good. And, and I, I think that maybe because I've watched so many interviews with her mm-hmm. that I, I find her to be one of the most unappealing human beings that I've ever seen oh, in my nice. entire life. Okay. I don't know if it's her personality or her looks, but when I see her, it makes me have a little bit of a throw-up feeling. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Not a big fan, I'm assuming. Uh, what I'm getting. I'm not going to be the president of her fan club. Okay. No. no. All right. So, let's just see here. I said, uh, what I will say to describe Diane Downs in person is, have you ever just been walking down the street and all of a sudden you step in a blob of someone else's gum? And then suddenly one of your shoes is sticking as you take your steps. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. I have. And then I you have. have to like dig out that piece of gum from yeah. like your shoe. Mm-hmm. But you can't get it all out. So it's like you're just going to have to walk on this piece of gum until like eventually like the dirt fills it and you don't have to feel it anymore. That's kind of like what she's like. <laughs> and that's on a good day. Okay. If I'm being that's, honest. That's on a really good day. Yeah. She's a fucking glob of gum on the Whoa! bottom. Nike Airs. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So let's get into this case. All right. On Thursday, May 19th of 1983 is where our story begins. 27-year-old Diane Downs was driving down a dark country road. She was sightseeing, according to Diane. So even though she had her three small children with her, and regardless of it being 10 p.m. at night, Mm -hmm. Diane said that this was something that she and her children, who were Christy, 8 years old, Cheryl, 7 years old, and Danny, 3 years old, often did. They sight saw in the dark. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My kids would love that. Mm -hmm. Strapped in, no tablets. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so she said they all love to do that. They were supposed to be returning home after visiting a friend of Diane's, and uh, they decided to take the long way home. They were headed down Old Mohawk Road when a man with bushy hair stepped into the street and looked as if he was in distress. Diane was, of course, driving, and she had Cheryl sitting in the front passenger seat. So that's a seven-year-old while Danny and Christy had dozed off to sleep in the back seat. But Diane was not one not to stop for a person who's in distress, right? Right, the piece of gum on the bottom of your shoe. Right, 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 right. Always looking for... Someone someone. to help. Um, So, you know, she said she'd picked up plenty of hitchhikers in her day, and no one had given her any reason to distrust them. So she decided that she was going to stop the car with her three young sleeping children inside of it. Oh, right. Yeah. So being the good Samaritan that she was, she stopped for the bushy-haired stranger, Mm. which is how he will come to be known. As she stepped out of her car to assist him, because you got to get right out. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. No, just pull over to the side, roll the window down. Just it's like like when you go through the drive-through too. Like you get right out of your car to make that place that order. Everyone does it, of course. (laughs) So she wanted to see what he needed, and at that moment, he brandished a gun. Oh my god. Uh huh. He said to Diane. I want your car. And Diane responded mockingly, you have got to be kidding me. Uh, he then reached into the car, 
where, you know, of course he could see these small children who mm -hmm. were laid lying down sleeping and it was dark outside. He reached in, he shot Cheryl, and then he reached into the back, shot Danny once, and due to all of the commotion, Christy had awoke and the man shot her once through the chest and once through the hand. Okay. Starting to think that maybe this guy's not real. Uh, <laughs> first of all, how <laughs> dare sorry, you I'm doubt sorry. Diane? I'm sorry. So he had shot her three children. Uh, Diane would say that in the struggle, it couldn't have lasted more than a couple minutes. She did, however, note that the song by Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, was playing. Okay, listen, Psycho. Even it, let's say all of this is true just for this one tiny argument. And you remember the song. You keep and that out of your story. It's Duran Duran. Just keep that out of your story. You don't forget stuff like I, Hungry Like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf. Not so, even Rio, like a good... Not even Ed Sheeran back right. in 1983. I don't think he was born. <laughs> but uh, after he had shot the children, he turned to face Diane. And in a struggle for the car keys, his gun went off again. It was a 22 caliber Ruger pistol. It means the, all those words combined mean absolutely nothing to me. Sounds like gun. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe a handgun. So I think it might be a handgun. I think a pistol is a handgun, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, we're... We're and so a good. rifle is a long gun. And a revolver is a revolver-ish. Yeah, it's like a revolver. The bullets are like a revolving door. Welcome to our gun podcast. Hi, welcome <laughs> to Everything Gun. <laughs> <laughs> want to thank our, our subscribers and, of course, our, our advertisers. Westchester. <laughs> is that, is that a gun? Bullets and Ammo Magazine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, West. I think it is something like that. Win Winchesterton or something. Worcestershire Worcestershire guns. We're so smart. <laughs> so his gun went off again and it struck Diane in the arm. But mm. Diane wasn't done fighting. She would later say that she almost gave up and let this stranger take her car and her badly injured children. <laughs> but in that moment, she thought to herself, I'm not trapped by society. I don't care if he's bigger. If I stand here and say, yeah, take the keys, I mean, there's nothing I can do. You win because you have the gun. My kids are going to die. I'm not going to let my kids die. So instead of giving him the keys, she feigned throwing the keys. And when he ran out of there like a dog chasing a fake ball, <clears throat> she hopped back in that car and she just threw it in drive and took off to the hospital full speed ahead. Uh-huh. Yep. Like, here, here, here. Got these keys? Exactly. Wait, they <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> so they sped off to Mackenzie William Medical Center as fast as she could. Like, you Obviously, know. caring mother. Yeah. So I'm going to take a little pause here because you're about to find out that this woman is easily one of the biggest narcissists. She's intolerable as a human being. There's a lot to make fun of when it comes to Diane. All right. But these were three young babies mm -hmm. that were shot, uh, and that's not lost on me. And I will do my best to honor them at the end of this, but Diane Downs is a dream come true for people who want to bash other people. <laughs> <laughs> no redeeming qualities. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Uh, she never stops talking. To this day, she never even shuts up. This is 1983. She's an old lady now, and she just, she never stops. You know how infuriating it is to listen to somebody very clearly lying but yeah. they believe that you believe what they're saying. Sure, yeah. They think that if they just had a minute to convince you. And she's had many a minutes. Yeah. So before we move forward with this awful night, let's go back to the beginning. 
Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson was born on August 7th of 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona to parents Wesley and Willadine. Oh, hello, Willadine. <laughs> she was one of four and her parents were very conservative, not allowing Diane to wear fashionable clothing or make herself up. And according to Diane, this led to her being bullied a lot. Like, I mean, because not not wearing makeup. Yeah, is that a thing? They're like, you're not wearing eyeliner. Put on some foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Whammo! If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, <laughs> <laughs> I just said it to you this morning. Yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is, I am wearing foundation. Uh, yeah, say, wear more. <laughs> just kick that shit on. That's right. More is more. <laughs> <laughs> so she was bullied a lot, and in her teenage years. As a lot do, Diane began to rebel, and uh, she dyed her hair platinum blonde. Mm, You might be into that. Mm -hmm. She started going by Diane instead of her given first name, which was Elizabeth. At age 16, she started dating a boy who lived on the street named Stephen Downs. And on November 13th of 1973, at 17 years old, the two were married. Oh. You know, I've always said most of my best decisions were made at 17. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wise at 17. Wise. Wise is a great word to use yeah, for sure. Definitely not bumming darts in Toronto trying to smoke behind no, alleys. No, trying to friggin' get somebody <laughs> to buy you cigarettes with rolls of pennies. <laughs> That's not my experience at all. Standing right in front of the entrance at the LCBO, <laughs> literally asking people as they walk into the store if they can buy something. Yeah. Like, no. Like shit. That was, it's just it's yeah. good planning all around. Yep. Yeah. So, Diane graduated from Moon Valley High School with straight A's. Sounds made up, but all yep. right. I bet you everybody graduated with straight A's from Moon Valley. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it exactly seems right. like, um, we don't really believe in failing the pupils at Moon Valley. We believe in feelings. We say, how does this make you feel? <laughs> so, after graduation, uh, Stephen joined the Army, and Diane went to Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. Wow. Yeah, and I cool. got that out on the first try, everyone. Man, this is not edited. I'll bet you there are a ton of sick parties at that school. (laughs) (laughs) If I know one thing about Baptist colleges. Oh, man. (laughs) So this is in California. And although the couple had vowed to remain faithful to one another, Diane actually ended up being kicked out of the college due to her promiscuous behaviors. Whoa. Yeah, imagine getting kicked out for that. Oh, being a hoe? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Why'd you get sent home? Uh, I was cheating on my test. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. With my vagina out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one it was, but it was one of those two things. (laughs) So um, I'm going to, you know, guess whoopsies on her end for the marriage. Mm -hmm. In 1974, the couple had their first baby together, a girl named Christy Ann. She was born in 1976. Cheryl Lynn was born in 1979. And uh, Diane got pregnant again against the wishes of her husband. I mean, he's kind of an accomplice in that as well. Well, you would like to think that. Okay, story time. Yeah, so according to Diane, she knew her menstrual cycle well, and she knew when to pinpoint it so that she'd be able to conceive. And in December of that year, Stephen Danny Downs, who went by Danny, was born. Stephen was positive that Danny was not his. Mm. And that, along with the fact that Diane had multiple affairs, led to the couple divorcing in 1980. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really bounce back from having somebody else's kid in your marriage. Uh, I wouldn't think that would be an easy thing. No. No. Is that somebody else's kid? Definitely. No. Yes. And she gave him his name, her husband's name. Oh, that's great. Like, how? Oh, oh. shit. Yeah. That's crazy. So, you know, 
They divorced. And in this story, Diane is absolutely the monster. She is our number one. We want to stab her. I mean, I don't stab people, but no. I mean, like, if I was going to stab somebody, it she'd be, be up there. I got you. But Steve was no saint either. Mm. He actually admitted to pounding, that's quotes, Diane in front of the children while they cried. And he would say that Cheryl was hysterical during this time. Jesus, in front of the fucking kids. Yes. I'm in the 80s, right? Wild yeah. times. He would also say that he did not like the way Diane treated the children. He said that she treated them like crap and that she was mean to them in front of him all the time. And But still, he gladly let her have them. And he just was like, okay, it was yeah. nice knowing you, kids. So, you know, he said he loved them, but he did not see himself as a single father. And Diane never really, they didn't have a discussion about having these children. It was really... Just like, hey, I'm she, Yeah, she was having the kids. But uh, Diane would tell them constantly, they, she would tell the kids that they were the four musketeers. So it was like mom and her three babies. Yeah. And it was just them against the world. After the divorce, Diane would jump in and out of the beds of married men. Because, you know, the best men are married, I always say. <laughs> in and out of the <laughs> married men beds. <laughs> married men beds. <laughs> um, and one of my personal favorite Diane Downs quotes, she said, In two years' time, I had ten separate lovers. In two years. That's not very many. And less than half of them were married. Uh, yeah, that's not that much, actually. Less than half of them were married, Matt. <laughs> those, aren't, those aren't big numbers. Not. No, I wouldn't consider those big numbers. I'm not impressed. Have you taken your antibiotics today? Because I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a mean case of something going yeah, that's on down there. Right. <laughs> uh, sorry, ten in two years. So that's what every. I would say one every two and a half months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And no slide backs. It doesn't sound, or at least you don't count them. Well, no, right? we're, talking t- ten we're talking ten lovers. Dudes. Yeah. So not, not ten times. Not doing ten it. times. So ten you lovers. Done it. Multiple Upwards times. of 30 times. Upwards of 40 times. 40? Like- <laughs> oh, my God. With French kissing the whole, all of them, everyone? I, you know what? I can't confirm. I cannot confirm the French kissing. Whoa. She sounds like a... Um, just, Not a French kisser? Maybe just well, like, she- just let's wham, bam. Thank you. Oh, yeah. no. You can't. These guys were married, though, Matt. Oh, she was being true. respectful. That, you know what? My bad. Sanctity of marriage. <laughs> like, look at the numbers. Listen, look at the Less than half. Like, statistically, she's in green, right? That's right. <laughs> so, during this time, Diane was trying to become a surrogate mother. Oh, it sounds like it. We're putting up the numbers like that. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, she would say that when her husband told her that she couldn't have a third baby, she hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. So, she wanted to help somebody who was told that they couldn't have a baby to bring a baby into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, these people were not just lying to their husbands. Like they just, you know, as a couple would want to bring a baby into the world. And she wanted to help that. And, you know, when everyone else said it wasn't possible and it wasn't about the money for Diane, she was a hundred percent selfless. She would later say that when she was pregnant with Christy, which was her first, Christy really loved to stretch out in utero. And that caused, sorry, you laughed at in utero? Yeah. Okay. It's just funny. (laughs) I know what it means and everything was just funny. Like I just, like when you say, like stretch out, like I literally, in my mind, I picture like a baby with like a, <laughs> like the end of a work day, just yeah, big stretch. All right, let's watch some TV and then head to bed. They do that. Yeah, really? They like do. arms out, like, yeah. The, with my last guy, Max, 
I once I was so humongous and I watched and you could see that it was his elbow just mm-hmm. go across the top of my stomach. Like it's it's a lot. Crazy. But my with my daughter, there was one day and I was so scared because I hadn't felt her move all day. Mm-hmm. And she was normally moving around. So I called the hospital and I was like, I haven't felt her move and blah blah blah. And so they said, before coming in, drink some juice and then play some music for her. And so I drank some apple juice and I played T Swift. Yeah. And then she was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> she just started really shake it off. You know, I was like, yeah, she just came. Oh my god. Yep. You know what we should do? Speaking of T Swift, we should give some uh, Taylor Swift concert tickets away within the pod. So grab some, and then we'll make it happen for our Patreon members. Anyways, sorry. Continue with what you were saying. Are you trying to break my heart right now? <laughs> yes. What? makes you the way you are. Who hurt you? <laughs> Who hurt you? Who did what they did to you? I friggin' so, you know, as soon as the T-Swift, as soon as you could become a verified fan and all that all that jazz, I did everything that I was supposed to do. And then there was the access code day. Yeah. And I got waitlisted. And mm. I was like, I don't understand why. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't know, in order to get Taylor Swift tickets, you have to become a verified fan because Taylor doesn't want the bots all buying up the tickets and then selling them at inflated prices and whatnot. So you become a verified fan and then just randomly people are selected to get access codes. And if you get an access code, then you're pretty much guaranteed a ticket. Mm-hmm. Everybody else gets waitlisted. So if those access codes don't get used, then they'll come back to you, which is pretty much like they might as well send you an email that say, says go fuck go yourself. Fuck because even if you didn't want to go, you're buying the tickets and you can sell them or you can do something else. Like there's not one single person that has an access code that is not buying tickets. That's yeah. One, 100%. Yeah. I think, listen, I think that the way that tickets and Taylor Swift is a different monster. Taylor Swift is bigger than the industry. I think, I think honestly she could do 20 shows in Toronto and they would, each one of them would, would sell out no problem, but there is no, solution to the tickets there there is none yeah yeah because you the bots were an issue you get the fan pre the, the verified fan pre-sale well once the fans are buying these tickets for 500 bucks and now realize they can make two thousand dollars like of course it, that temptation is so big i wouldn't i would never my daughter was like can we just get tickets i'm like dude do you think it's that easy like do you think i can just get tickets like I, I messaged you. You're you've got a radio show. I'm like, do you have any poll with Taylor Swift? No, it's Rogers. Uh, it's a competing media company for the, the, the owns our company. Um, Rogers had to convince her to come to Toronto. So I guess we weren't on the plan ever. Well, nobody else in Canada is either. Like everybody's apparently pretty upset about that. So a couple of rumors that I have heard as a record date, Sunday, August 13th, that Vancouver is going to get a few shows. In January of uh, 2024. Oh, really? Yeah. But also, if you're a verified fan and you're on the wait list, there is one more opportunity for you. Uh I think it's called a production release. So two days before the first concert, all the trucks start coming in and building the stage. Sometimes they fuck up the calculations and they're like, oh my God, we got like 50 seats here. So Ticketmaster, the day of, will put those up. You're kidding. So you will get... uh, a code if you are selected the day before the first concert. So my girlfriend, Michelle, I was telling her about all of this stuff and I was like, oh God, like I would, cause she's telling me her friend has tickets at like three different venues right now. Wow. I'm like, can we go to her house and I'll, I'll kill her. Yeah. yeah murder. Her. Yeah. So she was like, well, she lives in like Sudbury or something. And I was like, that's fine. I don't mind a drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she was saying like, did I ever tell you that I went to Taylor Swift? And I was like, uh, what? You saw Taylor Swift? 
Taylor had come, Michelle said it was like one of the last times that she came and she had a bunch of extra tickets. Michelle's like, they weren't the best tickets, but she gave them to all the police officers of Toronto. She said like, because you guys are in charge, you have such an important job of keeping such a big city safe with so Mm. many people. Like there was no limit, the cops. And so Michelle's husband is a police officer and he messaged her. He's like, do you want to go see T-Swift? Like you can invite whoever you want. Like she only took her one friend, but she went, if, I ever heard one bad thing about Taylor Swift, I think I would spiral out of control because she's just such... Did you see that thing with Kobe Bryant's daughter? Yeah. Yeah. She's the best person that's ever lived. My daughter is like, she's an earth angel. I'm like, she is an earth angel. I think so. Yeah, it does seem like she can do no wrong. And then the U.S. Fed is saying that she's like responsible for boosting the economy. The economy. Her, Her concert brings in more revenue for each city than 50 countries gross domestic product like their full output as a as a country did you hear that she gave all of her truck drivers a hundred thousand dollars and like i read the card that she gave them too and it was just like thank you for like all your hard work at the like top half of the eras uh yeah but this is the first leg by the way who is this person though like how is she Alive. <laughs> it's the folks, I think. You got, I mean, you as much credit as you give Taylor Swift. Those, those parents did a pretty good job. Fuck, they her. did, she didn't They definitely doesn't act like she's the biggest star on the world in the no, world. No, not at all. And like, when did you, when she hugged Kobe Bryant's daughter, like, that was the most genuine hug I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. just so, like, it wasn't like, you know, a celebrity giving a hug to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, ugh, never mind. This isn't a Taylor Swift podcast, but if you guys want that, I, yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you can secure those for our listeners, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. Why are you so mean? <laughs> I just also like to... Um, That's a Taylor Swift song too, by the way. I like Why the, you gotta be so mean? It's a visual <laughs> of all the cops. So the haters gonna hate, 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 hate. The player's gonna play, 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 Don't put your gun away. Yeah, no, like, shake it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to this awful woman. Yes. I Not Taylor a, Swift, by the way. Um, Timbit to transition, please. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, Christy liked to stretch out in utero. How did we get to Taylor Swift from that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, you played Taylor Swift for your daughter. There we go. After you See? drank some juice. Thank you so much for listening to me. You're welcome. I mean, you've really hurt me today, but that's, that's okay. True. Um, So, you know, this in utero, it caused Diane's ribs to separate. Uh, so... She knew every time she got pregnant, it was going to be excruciating. Wait, caused her ribs to separate? Yeah. Because the baby stretched? Mm Mm-hmm. They have that much power? I mean, I've never had my ribs separate, if I'm being completely honest. It doesn't sound that far-fetched, though. Really? Yeah. Does it ever feel like they're going to, like, break through? Oh, yeah. No! Yeah, they're, uh, it's, have you ever seen those, like, C-section videos? Like, it's a very thin layer that's separating the baby from you. Like, I could feel my kids, like, hands and stuff. Crazy. Yeah. I touch like my nephews and stuff of, of like on the other side of the skin. Like that is just it's it's wild crazy. for sure. That's right. that's like the best part of pregnancy. The only good part, as far as I'm concerned, is when you can feel them moving around. Mm-hmm. Everything else sucks. Really, everything else. And then you get those people. I, one of my good friends is like, I've never felt better when I'm pregnant. I'm like, then you feel like shit all the time. Then you should go to the doctor. You probably have some sort of an anti-immune disease. (laughs) You might have lupus if that's the best you've ever felt. (laughs) I heard conception's pretty fun part of it. No, placing the order. Oh my! (laughs) (laughs) You go on a limb here. You're married. (laughs) 
<laughs> Shut up. So, yes, she knew that every time she got pregnant, it was going to be excruciating. <laughs> Placing the order. Please drive through. Next window. Come on through. Uh, can you just pull over? I'll have your order ready for you. I'll come out and deliver it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's really, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, like I said, Diane wanted to be the surrogate, but, you know, her ribs had been separated from her first pregnancy. So, like, this was like a selfless thing. Like, mm-hmm. she, you know, it didn't feel good for her to be pregnant. She just wanted to do it because she is a giver. Mm-hmm. She is something. <laughs> so, you know, did you think that, like, her ribs separating was going to stop Diane from doing what yes. she believed was the right thing to do? Yes. No. I have a friend that's a surrogate, and, and she did it for a couple, and she was really concerned that she was, you know, any health concerns that you would have as a thing. So she had to do, like, a bunch of tests and stuff to of make course. sure that she was all all good to go. Of course. Not like this piece of crap here. This, um, She's a, you know, selfless woman. She wanted to join the surrogacy program, but unfortunately she failed the psych evaluation like twice. Ah, just no twice yet. though. Like, you know, they always say third time's the charm. That for especially for psych evals. Exactly. So once again, third time was the charm. And in 1982. Get out of here. Did she pass it on the third try? You, yeah. You, you failed two psych evals. You shouldn't get a third. I mean, it should be like a percentage. Like you're, if sure. you're only passing 33% of your psych evals, that's not great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so she would bring a baby girl into the world for another couple who would pay her $10,000. But it, right. it wasn't the money at all, right? Is that like um, under the table or is that like no, a legit? No, this, this is a, a legit, legitimate business kind yep. of thing you can, wow. So Diane saw that there was a huge margin here. Um, the woman who carries the baby only gets $10,000, but the expectant parent pays 40000 to the, you know, like business. The, okay. So Diane decided that she would open her own surrogacy company. And oh, uh, called with ribs wide open. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I want my baby back, baby back, babes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's just what she did. But I'm guessing that when like interviewing Diane to potentially carry the most important thing in the world, mm-hmm. uh, parents would notice that Diane was just a few clowns short of a circus. So they're like, um, listen, I don't want to assume anything, but I think this lady may have failed two psyche <laughs> If this lady passed 33% of her psyche valves, <laughs> I would be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Diane ended up having to close her business doors uh, before they even really opened. She didn't have a single customer. <laughs> but uh, she got a job working as a postal worker, which is... Logical step. Yeah, you surrogacy... Postal worker. Either way, you're delivering things. That's right. That's either (laughs) either way you're delivering things. (laughs) So, and you don't know how important these packages were, too. It could be like along the same lines ish. Mm -hmm. So, and it was during this time that she met another married man whose name was Robert Knickerbocker. All right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Who Diane affectionately called Nick. Oh, that's cute. Diane and Nick, of course, embarked on their romantic affair. Of course. Like, I like to mention that he was married and, you know, he was having a hard time looking at himself in the mirror when he was around Diane. Diane, of course, had convinced herself that Nick would leave his wife for her uh, and they, you know, would ride off in the sunset together. Oh, that's nice. She would say that her and Nick shared heart love. That's what she called it, which to her meant that it was like the purest kind of love. It wasn't like banging. It was like feelings. Banging's not the most pure of love. No. Do you have mm. a pen? I gotta write something down. Right <laughs> I just want to make a note unrelated to this. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't lust or anything like that. It was like actual love. Love. Mm-hmm. 
Because, you know, who better to love than someone else's husband? That's what I always say. <laughs> Don't you have that tattooed on your a tramp stamp? My lower back. Absolutely. <laughs> You're damn right I do. In the, uh, in the Welcome to Las Vegas font. <laughs> oh, my God. I there's a discount on fonts that day. It was Font Friday at Crazy Larry's <laughs> Tattoo Emporium. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Okay. So... There's one big problem, you know, besides the fact that he was yes, married. Sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One other problem. Okay. So he was adamant that he did not want children. He actually had a vasectomy in his 20s. Nice. Yeah. Like, because what 20 year old isn't like, you know what? Cut this shit off. I don't. Yeah. We, yeah. Really. Like, <laughs> because Get in there. he was so sure that he didn't want to be responsible for someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so he used this as an excuse to keep Diane at arm's length. <laughs> Are arm's we seeing, remembering the beginning of the story though? No. I was looking at the Timbits just now. Bushy-haired stranger. Oh, yes. This guy doesn't want to have kids. And... Oh, boy, I'm watching. I'm watching. He's the bushy-haired stranger? <laughs> no. Okay, the bushy-haired stranger didn't want... Wait, the bushy-haired stranger's made up, isn't he? Wow. This wait. guy didn't want kids, and the bushy-haired stranger shot her kids. Yes. For him? Matt. I'm sorry. Okay. She killed them because of this guy? <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening here? <laughs> It's like I'm watching two hamsters fight each other. Right hey, what now. is it? <laughs> oh, okay, let's okay. go further into it. Maybe we'll get All right. So, you know, he kept her at an arm's length. Eventually, Diane's job with the post office would take her to Oregon. Or, yeah. Oregon? Oregon. I asked one of my American friends to give me that phonetically. I forgot to double check today. Though. Yeah, like <laughs> Oregon. Por- Portland, Oregon. Okay. So she was certain that once Nick realized how much he missed her, he would join her and the kids. And uh, he would discover that he really did like kids after all. Okay. Yeah. I would say that he probably gave it a pretty good thinking over before he started cutting off parts to his, (laughs) I don't know. A good, (laughs) you thought it through. Like, you don't think it was just one morning he was like, oh, I got to drop off that package at the post office. Maybe I'll just run past the doctors, get a quick vasectomy. Get a quick uh, (laughs) snip, uh, take a couple of days. You know, when my buddy had his vasectomy, he had to take a couple of days off work and he called them his holidays. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. He's like... He's like, hey, man, you want to come over and watch the game? And I'm like, don't you have to work tomorrow? He's like, no, I'm on ball of days. And he's just sitting on a... With like a frozen peas. That's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you want to he's come like, over for dinner? I'm like, uh, you know what? Why don't we order in? <laughs> I'm having roast and peas tonight. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm just defrosting our... Yeah, all right, you know what? <laughs> oh, God. So, Diane would write him love letters every single day. Dear Nick. And you know, what man doesn't like that? That's awkward. <laughs> They're very awkward. <laughs> you know, the most awkward thing that ever happened to me was I was hanging out with this guy who I knew he had a, a crush on me, but like we were, oh. I don't know, probably teenagers still. Okay. And uh, it was me, my friend, Tari, and then him in his living room. Oh. And he put on a Backstreet Boy song. Oh, boy. And asked Tari to leave the room. And then he asked me to slow dance in his living room in the middle of the day. Nice. Right outside. Yeah, you and did. And Tari was like standing in the hallway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the song? I want it that way? No. No, slower, it was slower, a slow slower. song. Yeah, I think it was... Um, Shape of My Heart? No, that was way, way sooner. Looking. I think I think it was... Um, mm-hmm. No, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> wow, you're getting getting dancy over there. I do like the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, well, they're great. 
Um, so, you know, more often than not, those letters would be returned unopened and it would be checked off that they had been refused. So there was oh. like a little stamp that they would have that yeah. was like weren't home or moved and, and it was just refused. Hilarious. So later on uh, down the road, Diane would say that Nick was always changing his mind. He's so silly. Larry. Oh he just, my God. He's, so, he's such a silly goose. He honestly is I the silliest down. of all the gooses. He would just refuse these letters because he was like, oh, I, <laughs> I just love her so much. Um, so he would often tell her that he did want to be with her, according to Diane, but then he would change his mind. He wanted to be with his wife. <laughs> So on May 13th of 1983, Diane would have a beach day with her children. Oh, nice. Yeah. And she would also buy them this little brass unicorn statue. It's fun. Brass is fun for the beach. <laughs> when I think of beach toys, I think brass. And statues. little kids. Like my kids are always like, buy us brass. And yeah, I'm like, I love Guys. brass. <laughs> Mama, why did you and Papa get us a tin dog? You know, we've been asking for the brass dog. Mama? <laughs> Do you and Papa don't like us no more because little Timmy's got the lupus? Oh my God. Is that why you got us a tin doggy? So, yeah, she got them this brass unicorn. Another thing that kids also love, yeah. sharing with each other. <laughs> sharing one hot piece of brass. One hot piece of brass. And it would be inscribed on it that their names and that, you know, love mom on the base of it because... You know, she's just a really great mom that just wanted to remind her kids how much she loved them with this brass unicorn. <laughs> and six days later, on May 19th, was where our story began. So, bushy-haired guy. According to Diane, a bushy-haired man had shot her children. Diane says that she was driving the car at the speed of light, and she could hear little three-year-old Danny in the backseat quietly crying. After the shooting? Oh, yes. fucking hell. So while Christy was bleeding from her mouth. Oh my God, they didn't all die? And she had her arms reached out trying to get Diane to hold her. Oh, for fuck's sakes. According to Diane, she kept telling Christy to lay on her stomach so that it would make it easier for her to breathe. What the fuck? And somehow in all of this commotion, Diane managed to place a perfectly folded towel around her arm to stop the bleeding coming from her. Oh, her own arm? Her own arm. Oh, what an asshole. So Dr. Stephen Wilhite had just walked into his home when his pager went off and informed him that there was an emergency and they needed him to return to the hospital ASAP. The doctor remembers thinking to himself, what am I going to do with three shot children? Mm. When he arrived back at the hospital, sadly, seven-year-old Cheryl Downs had succumbed to her injuries and had died on her way to the hospital and Christy and Danny were both in extremely rough shape. Christy had suffered a stroke due to her blood pressure being essentially non-existent. Was a kid? Yep. Can have a stroke? Well, she had a stroke because of her blood pressure, because it was so low, because she'd lost so much blood, she had a stroke. Yeah, you can have a stroke so at any age. It doesn't just, pump the ox, so then it stops in your brain, yeah. and that's how you... No shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, when Dr. Wilhite looked at her, her pupils were dilated, and he thought that she too was gone, but after working on her for a little bit, uh, he was able to stabilize her. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Danny had been shot in the back, and at three years old, it was deemed that he would never be able to walk again, but he too was stable. Wow. When the doctor went in to check on Diane and update her on the state of the children, he was surprised when Diane did not shed a single tear, not even upon hearing the news that she had lost Cheryl. And even though everybody absolutely grieves differently, maybe she was in a state of shock, but the doctor said that the things that she was saying was what was making him really uncomfortable. Diane had said that this incident had really spoiled her vacation. 
I think that as regular people, people like you and I, people that are listening to this, should never judge anybody how they grieve. However, if you are an employee of a hospital mm-hmm. and part of your job, unfortunately, is almost seeing. every day is to tell people the worst fucking news in the world, you could pass judgment you on You have a reaction. pretty good idea. I would think so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it had really spoiled her vacation, quote unquote. Yeah, I guess, you know, having said all that, yeah, anybody could judge you for saying something like that. You don't have to be a doctor. And she said that her new car had gotten blood all Get over the, the back of it. out of here. The doctor would say that within 30 minutes, he knew that this woman was guilty of trying to fatally shoot her, oh three, my her God. three small children. Diane would say in reference to Christy, her surviving daughter, that if Christy was brain dead, she wanted him to pull the plug. Shocked, the doctor said to her, and he was very stern with her at this point in time, and said that Christy was doing very well and he would not be pulling the plug. Now that he was fully convinced that Diane was responsible for the children's injuries, this is funny. He said that at that point, Diane could say whatever she wanted to say, and him and his team would just ignore it. (laughs) Well, that's good. You know what? Sometimes you got to make an executive decision. Even Mm -hmm. if it's not the legal thing to do, this bitch is trying to kill her kids. Yeah. So the stroke had rendered Christy unable to speak for the time being, but hospital staff absolutely noticed when Diane walked into Christy's hospital room, her stats would go right up. Oh, like her heart rate, like her heart nerves, rate, yep. anxiety. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was very clear to them that Christy was terrified of her mother. Wow. Two weeks after the shooting, Diane was discharged from the hospital and she went to live with her parents for the time being. Christy and Danny still had a lot of work ahead of them. Christy was going through therapies and she had a team of people that were working with her trying to help her speak again mm-hmm. or even draw or write anything that they could figure out who hurt her. But the little girl was terrified. A month after the shooting, Diane lost the rights to seeing her two remaining children. Oh, good. And they were sent to live with a foster family. Christy and Danny were suffering so much because of the event that had transpired that fateful evening. And their foster mom would say that she would wake up in the middle of the night to either one or the other, one of them screaming, and she would have to come in and comfort them. They were terrified. Meanwhile, Diane was on a media tour. She would speak with anyone who wanted to speak with her. And Diane was her own worst enemy because she was so, like, she was histrionic. You know what I mean? Like, she just had this, she wanted to be in front of the cameras, but she didn't think things through before she said them. No, I think that when it comes down to it, like a lot of these, you know, convicts or people, you know, criminals or whatever that represent themselves, you know, rule of thumb, you should never be on the witness stand. I think that like a, a narcissist thinks they, if they just had a chance to for you to hear their story, they, they convince you no problem. I but just I just need my chance to tell you. Your story needs to at least be consistent. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because you know I'm I'm I don't like to say I'm gullible because I'm also cynical. So, but like, mm. <laughs> if I listen to somebody, if if somebody says something enough times, I'm like maybe they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But it's like when the story is changing every. Right turn of the corner like you're like fuck off like my three-year-old could tell that you were lying Mm -hmm. but so yeah you know she was telling stories that would often conflict with an earlier telling of the events Uh, about two months after the shooting she would say that the man who had shot her children had known diane by name and not only that but he was familiar with a tattoo that she had on her back a far cry from the bushy-haired stranger that she had never seen before yeah on the side of the road for the first two months she had Great, when, great experience with hitchhikers, so I had no yeah, problem stopping. Hitchhikers are like the 
Salt like, of the earth, really. High, high-grade <laughs> strangers. So in one interview, Diane would say that people would say to her, so here, this is Diane's exact quote. Okay. Everyone says, you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. It was very painful. It's still painful. The scar is going to be there forever. I'm going to remember that night for the rest of my life, whether I like it or not. I don't think I was very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I'd had been shot oh, the way they were, we all God. would have died. Wow. Like, she's a first ballot piece of shit Hall of Fame nominee. There's no word that's big enough to describe Diane Dance in my eyes. Like, I just, oh, she infuriates me. I was so mad writing this case. Like, complaining about her arm. Her like arm. Her... I'll remember this day for the rest of my life. Do you mean the day that you lost your kid? <laughs> the scar is the thing that's fucking reminding you of that day? Are you kidding me? The time you shot yourself in the arm. You fucking piece of garbage. (laughs) So the cops would ask Diane, using a car to demonstrate how this all transpired, Mm. Um, how she physically interacted with the shooter on the night in question. They have Diane pretend to get out of the car. You can see this on YouTube. I recommend watching it because it's, it's almost unbelievable. So they pretend for her to get out of the car. They want her to show how the struggle happened. Uh, the entire time, Diane is giggly. She's laughing and joking. At one point, when she gets back into the vehicle, she bumps her arm because she's still wearing a sling with her injury. Yeah. And she's laughing about how much pain she's in. And she says, um, the beginning of this sentence is highly speculated. Um, so she bumps her arm and she laughs and she says, this is worse than the... Okay. And what authorities... Oh, my God. <laughs> so what authorities believe was that she was going to say, this is worse than when I shot myself. Oh, boy. So, of course, the authorities were closing in on Diane, and they were giving her just enough rope to hang herself. During one interview, uh, Detective Doug Welch, and another detective, I left out his first name, his last name is Weist. Weist? Weist? Yeah, W-U-E-S-T. West? Weist? Oh, no. Okay. Worst. Worst. (laughs) Worst. So they're interviewing Diane, and she starts getting a little sharp-tongued with them. And they're questioning her, and she ends up saying to them, I'll make a deal with you, okay? Fuck you. You can go find the guy by yourself, because I know I didn't do it. And you can chase your little tails for the next 20,000 years if that's what it takes. You don't like my help? You can shove it. And when Weist says... You really are confident, aren't you? Diane says, I know I didn't do it. Since you guys seem to think I should have brought the guy with me, I'll go get him myself. And Welch says, uh-huh. you know who did it? And Diane says, yes, I do. I damn sure do. And Wes um, says, you know him by name? Diane says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes. And he goes, you saw who shot your kids? She goes, yep. And Wes goes, well, that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. And Diane says, I saw him grab my arm and yank my arm out and shoot my arm and now say, now try and get away with this shit. I'm leaving because I know who did it. Bye. And walked out of the interview room. Oh, Jesus. Like fucking the most obnoxious brat. I ain't Diane. I knew who did it and I'm not even going to tell you. So there. Oh, man. So on top of her claiming to know who shot her kids, They had noticed blood spatter on the outside of the passenger car door, which, if Diane's story is correct, couldn't have been there. The passenger door was never open during the struggle. He leaned through the driver's door and shot. So, of course, the cops also had to talk with the children's father, Steve. Steve confirmed to them that Diane did, in fact, own the same twenty-two caliber gun that Mm. was used that night. 
Steve would also say that if Diane did this, he wanted her to be executed. <laughs> I, you know what? I mean you. I hear you, Steve. Like, if I was married to Diane Dans, I'd be like, she did it. She yeah, did, that's yeah, right. You know what? Death penalty. Yeah, that's right. Can we do that in this state? <laughs> <laughs> I know we should never assume guilt, but I mean, come on. <laughs> so, and there was also another thing that I don't think I documented in here, but she had like one, during one of her like riffs with Steve, <laughs> She had like went into the bathroom, like just being dramatic, had shot this gun off, but like she hadn't shot herself. It had gone into the wall, and the cops ended up going and digging the slug. Is that the way you? Yeah. Okay. Look at you see a sign. So they dug it out, and it actually, like the markings on it matched perfectly with the markings at the crime scene. Can we get this bullet? Did this case need another ballistics? Yeah. Ballistics, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, we're so good at this. I know. I love CSI. <laughs> I love being able to talk guns. Guns and our new gun cast. <laughs> Everything guns. Welcome to the gun cast. And then the background music is just like... Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> so they also made contact with Robert Knickerbocker, who showed up to the police station with his wife. Oh, yeah, Nick. I forgot about Nick. Yeah, Nick who didn't with want his kids. his wife? Yep. Oh, bringing sand to the beach. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so she now knew everything about the affair, but was sticking with her husband. Oh, good. That's nice. He told the officers that he was genuinely concerned and upset that it may have been something that he said that led to Diane shooting her children. Hmm. And after working with Christy for seven months, her therapist had come up with a way that Christy would be able to tell who hurt her. Because at this point, she was able to write, she was able to draw, she was just scared. She didn't want to say anything. So she didn't need to let anybody else read it, but if she was comfortable in doing so, she would just write it on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and put it in an envelope and then burn it in the fireplace. And that was working for them until one day, Christy didn't throw it in the fireplace. Oh, yeah! And when the envelope was open, what was written on the inside of the card was the words, my mom. Oh, fuck. That, that's tough. And this is where I'm going to end the first part of Diane Dale's. So part two is going to be way more wild. How? Yeah. It's going to involve a prison break, more affairs. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Other women's husbands and another pregnancy. Oh, my God. So until then. All right. Bye. bye. <laughs> 